Welcome to the Big Presentations Podcast, where we offer encouragement and guidance to those who make big presentations in small rooms. We believe that properly focused practice and preparation result in effective communications. I'm your host, Paul Gibson. Let's get started. Hey guys, how's it going? It is another episode of the Big Presentations Podcast, and I'm pumped about this episode. There is so much helpful stuff in it for you, but when I first saw the title, I got to admit, I thought it was going to be all philosophical or maybe full of business jargon that would make me want to break out my buzzword bingo card. But no, this stuff is plug and play. You can take it and use it immediately, and frankly, I love that, and I'm ready to dive in, but... We got some business to do before that. Mike, let's do a quick review of what we talked about in last week's episode. Oh, yeah. Last week we talked about stories and the power of stories. You know, a lot of times the best way to promote the positive elements of workplace culture is to tell stories about it. So what does that sound like? Where can we even get good stories? Well, you'll just have to join Paul and I on a storytelling adventure that goes to the moon and back to find out. Along the way, you'll discover the power of storytelling and how the best sources might be closer than you think. It was a fun cast that highlights one of my favorite stories about finding stories. You should check it out. Cool story, bro. Well, we'll be right back with more to talk about, I'm sure, including today's topic. So stick around. We'll be right back. And we're back. Today, we're focused on the big presentations mantra. Yes, we are. We'll be highlighting each element of that mantra because the basics of presentation success are contained in it. The other day, I had a good reminder while I was sitting with my laptop creating content for an upcoming training that the mantra really does bring it home. It really does all come down to this. Know your audience, know your message, make the connection. Got it. Three straightforward statements. The implementation is the challenge, though. The mantra is simple, but not easy. That's true. There is a lot of knowledge and wisdom involved. In the book, Big Presentations in Small Rooms, every chapter supports the mantra. Every Big Presentations blog and every episode of the podcast does the same. This is purposeful. We want it to be that way. Each element of the mantra should guide every step of your preparation practice, and delivery. Right. And how well you apply the mantra is determined by the time available, the information available, and the personal investment that you have in the presentation. Use what is available to make the best presentations possible. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because many small room presentations also have limited prep and practice times. Now, we don't want to use that as an excuse. We want to see it as a challenge and make the most of what we do have available. And as would be implied, we have a limited time on this podcast. Got other stuff to do, so let's get to it. All right. The first line of the mantra says, know your audience. Who are you connecting with? Who will be in your audience? Got it. Seems easy. We're going to be talking to people. The audience is people. I know that. I'm ready for the next element. This is going to be really short cast. I love this. (laughs) No, 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 no. There's so much more to it than that, because we got to talk about group roles, individual roles, and individual personalities. Uh, Shoot. Oh, well. Well, maybe, maybe it's not so simple, so let's break it down and make it more simple. Okay. The first consideration is the group identity and the group role. 
The group itself might have some kind of title and, and identity. For example, perhaps you're talking to an executive team or a peer group at work or a group representing a potential client. The identity of the group should shape your approach. Here are a couple of big categories. Is the group internal, like within your organization, or is it external, like someone or a group of people from outside your organization? I think I'm following you now. So if the group is internal, you should ask, is the group made up of those under your authority? Or maybe they're just peers, or are they those who maybe are your bosses or someone who has authority over you? If it's external, what authority does the group have? Can they make the decision? Or are they making recommendations to those who do make the decision? Is there another presentation that you're going to be making if you make it past this current group? And knowing your audience means, well, knowing the group. But what about the individual roles? Uh, yeah, the individual roles. Because every group is made up of individuals. individuals. That's our deep thought of the day <laughs> right there. And each individual has a workplace role. If you can identify the roles present, you'll be better able to understand the responsibilities and the concerns of each person. And this, too, should guide your approach. I think I figured out what should be the T-shirt for this episode if we had one. It's like, the forest is made of trees. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can put Yoda on there or something. Forest made of trees it is. <laughs> but if you're dealing with people from different kinds of groups, like if you're dealing with people from the finance department, well, they're going to have concerns that might be, I don't know, having to do with money. And that will be different from the person who's from the safety department, who's going to have a completely different set of concerns. And both of those are going to be different from those concerns of, say, I don't know, the marketing department. Right. And of course, we should take into account not just the role, but also the personalities, because each person present will have a personality that should affect your presentation. Some will be more outgoing and willing to speak up and ask questions. Others are going to be more reserved. Some will be critical and looking for problems within your information or with your idea. Yeah, this is helpful because if we can acknowledge the reality of having various personalities within the group, it will help us relax and take it a lot less personally when some people are well more engaged than others it'll also help us connect with each person in a way that is well appropriate and that they will appreciate yeah i like that so for example when i'm making presentations i will seek information about both the group identity and the individual roles i usually don't ask about personalities that seems a little awkward or maybe inappropriate but i might ask something like is there anything helpful I should know? And that opens the door for that type of information. Even if they don't share anything, usually within the first few minutes of a presentation, I can see what personalities I'm, I'm dealing with. What about you, Paul? What's been your experience? Well, I don't have a need to have as much of this kind of experience, although I do quickly learn who's going to be the one choosing the music for a wedding because they'll usually tell me, well, I don't know that much about music, but my future husband does and he has opinions. So you'll want to talk to him. But more, I think more concretely uh, connecting to this is my wife because she's been a, a professor at different universities and had different people who were above her, be it a, a department chair or a president of the university or whatever. So she has learned to craft whatever message she has for wanting to get something done in her department to very much be tailored to the person who is making the decision. For instance, she's dealt with people who their biggest concern was, how does it look to the people around the university? 
Does the community see us in a positive light? Does it make us look good? And do people driving past the campus think, man, that is a snazzy looking campus. Cool stuff happens there. But then there's been other people above her who are all about, well, how does this affect the students here? Does it serve them in a really good way? Do they enjoy the experience here? And do they get a lot out of it, both academically and socially? So you concentrate on those different points when you're trying to get, say, more funding for this program within your department. And that's how you maybe can get it done is by saying, hey, it's going to have a great you know, student experience if they're doing this. I'm like, oh, well, that's true. That's a good point. So you kind of have to figure out a way to tailor that message for the individual and what they care about. That's good. And all of that requires that you know who you're talking to, that yes. you know your audience. <laughs> Today, we've been talking about the mantra, know your audience, know your message, make the connection. To learn more about the mantra, check out the book, Big Presentations in Small Rooms. In each chapter, you'll learn ways to accomplish the mantra. It's a great resource. Every chapter is packed with helpful ideas and encouragement. I believe that after you read each chapter, you'll think that chapter was worth the price of the book. So get your copy today at Amazon. You can choose digital print or audiobook. We'll put a link in the show notes. So let's move on with this mantra. So the first element is know your audience. And the second one is know your message. Seems logical. Yeah. 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 And knowing the goal, what you're shooting for, that's key to knowing your message for presentation success. You got to know your goal and how your words and whatever images you use or illustrations can best lead the audience toward that goal. You know, your audience and now you're able to use that knowledge to help craft a message that leads them to the goal. And also keep in mind, you got a time limit that will allow you to craft a message that honors the time constraint. Good point. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so there are three common types of small room presentations. Here they are. There's the update. There's the proposal and the combo. All right. Okay. So tag team. Here we go. Here we go. I'll take the first one. I'll start with the update. The update is information-based. So you answer questions like, where are we in the process? How's it going? Are we meeting our commitments within our limitations, whether it's time or budget or whatever? And we think about the audience. What do they need to know in order to make the best decisions at this point in time? So based on your knowledge of the audience, you could then predict the concerns and the questions associated with this project or process and then you can craft your message to address as many issues as possible within the time constraint. So remember, the update is information-based. Yes, absolutely. And then the second one is, of course, the proposal. That is future-based. The presenter is encouraging the audience to make a specific decision to go in a certain direction. Based on your knowledge of the audience, you can predict the concerns and questions associated with your idea and can help meet the needs of the audience within the content of your presentation, of course, within the time constraints. And if you're in sales, well, let's face it, you are constantly making proposals. Good point. And the final category is the combo. Now, in high trust environments, and we're talking internal presentations here, this is a common one. The person presenting an update is expected to provide information, context, insight, and what they think the next step should be. When a next step is provided, well, that transitions this presentation from being an update into being a proposal. Actually, we'll, we'll just call it a combo. 
Now, the group, the audience, is not required to follow the proposal, but they welcome, because remember, this is a high-trust environment, they welcome the ideas of the person providing the update. So based on the presenter's knowledge of the audience, they can predict the concerns and the questions associated with all this stuff, all the information, uh, the update, and the proposal, and maybe even predict some possible suggestions. You can keep all of this stuff in mind as you craft a message to fit within the time. Now, speaking of the time constraints, you said we'd talk more about this. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. This limitation should always be in mind as you create your message. The time constraint forces you to prioritize update information. It requires you to prioritize supporting content for your proposal. It's okay to finish a little early. Just don't finish late. If you have more information than there's time for, then you got a couple options. You could simply save it for another setting like a Q&A or a follow-up meeting, or you could have printed information or information available digitally. Either way, be determined to respect the time. So now that we've gone through these three different types, which one would you say is the one that, that you tend to end up doing the most? Let's see. I think I end up doing proposals most often. Because uh, either I'm talking to a client about uh, their needs, so maybe they're providing me an update on what's going on with them, and then I might say, well, here's some products that might help you, or here's some connections you could make with other people who could help meet your needs. So there's that proposal side to it. And then when I'm providing a training, it's a lot of proposal. Maybe there's updated information that I'm giving to them, but I'm asking them to to think differently or to act differently or both. Uh, so that would fall into the proposal category. So that, that's what usually plays out for me. How's it usually play out for you? Well, especially this time of year, uh, I'm teaching a class. And so for me, it kind of ends up being, maybe this is a stretch, but I think it ends up being the combo because okay. they will often come in and they will have a project that they have turned in and we'll listen to it. It's a digital audio class. So they will have created okay. some piece of audio, whether it's a short podcast or an, a news package or something, and we'll listen to it together. We will make some suggestions that will be kind of the, you know, these are the next steps of how you could make this better. And also okay. it's kind of like where here's where everybody is. So everybody gets an update on where everybody else is on their, on their projects. And then we give them right feedback on how they might make it better and then of course what comes next then we give them the proposal which is this is your next project this is what you should do and maybe this is how you should do it this is the okay, steps that yeah. you should take and then we try to sell them on the idea of starting early it's like you want to start early <laughs> they don't but you know that's the idea <laughs> it's like i propose that you start earlier this time than you did last time Right. You remember how you were panicking at about one this morning because you realized you hadn't done it? You can you can avoid that. I promise you can because it will be a lot better if you do that. Now, I'm not very good at planning ahead either, but still, you know, you, you try you to. Should. You, you, you should. You should. It's a good idea. <laughs> Maybe that's the other mantra. Don't wait till the last minute. But yeah, that's kind of how it ends up working out for me. You kind of, you know, do the update of what they've been doing, kind of how they can make it better. And then the this is what you're going to be doing and try to sell them on the excitement of the project, because sometimes they don't like get excited that. about yeah. the idea of the project, but then they'll get into it and then they're excited about it. But if you can get them excited oh, beforehand, yeah. maybe they'll start earlier. So we've already talked about knowing your audience, knowing your message. And now the third element of the mantra, make the connection. Make the connection. 
audience connection can happen before, during, and after the presentation. Now, you might not have opportunities in all three of these time slots, so take advantage of the opportunities you do have. Absolutely. Before, during, and after. So let's talk about each time period. Okay. Okay. Let's start with the before. That makes sense. Be a helpful presence whenever you're with the audience. This is an ongoing positive thing. I mean, if, if you try to create this positive presence at the last minute, like you've been around them a lot, you're not trying to help until the last minute, they're going to know what you're doing, right? That's going to be suspect. You do your best to be helpful whenever you're around. You create this presence, whether your time is short or whether it's long, either way, be determined to be someone that people are glad to see because you are helpful. Absolutely. And then... When you make the connection during the presentation, it's also really good. When you're present, when you have an appropriately engaging presence, be quick to smile. Use that eye contact to create connections with every audience member. Pursue confident humility. Know your stuff and be willing to say that you don't know when you don't know. But be determined to find out and follow up and be thankful for the opportunity. And of course, respect the time. Yeah. And then realize that when the presentation's over, your opportunity isn't necessarily over. There are ways to make connections after the presentation. So when possible, have brief conversations immediately following that meeting. And then if possible, follow up in other ways that are appropriate for the situation. Perhaps a summary of your content along with appreciation for the opportunity could be sent. Uh, this could serve the dual purpose of personal connection and re-emphasis of the message, which is, I mean, that's nice. That's a win-win. And of course, that's the idea of, of following your shot. We had a whole other episode on that. So make sure you go back and look that one up. Listen to it. It'll make a huge difference. These suggestions like before, during, and after making that connection. What does this look like in your world? Well, for me, I think most recently it came in the form of just being a helpful presence, like you mentioned earlier, uh, because often I'm doing a wedding. And if you've ever been to a wedding, you know that nothing ever goes according to plan. So there's always somebody scrambling around last minute trying to get something else done. Maybe it's just moving a few more uh, chairs around or putting a few more centerpieces out on on tables. So I try my best to like if I've got all my gear set up, I've covered the part that I'm 100% responsible for. Then I look around I'm like, okay, they need help. So I can go grab some centerpieces out of that box that they just brought and start putting it out on tables. And you'd be surprised how big of a deal that is to people because they're like, oh, he's making my life easier. I didn't ask him to. This is a simple thing, but it's chewing up my time. And I really should be trying to keep the bride calm or whatever, you know, and that makes a huge difference. I like that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. For me, I place a lot of emphasis on, I guess, really all three. Uh, like you, I try to get stuff set up as quickly as I can. As soon as I get there, just to make sure everything's ready to go. And then I look around to see how I can help. But I'm also trying to, to meet people and memorize names, place names with faces as people arrive and, and learn a little bit about them. And then if I can weave that into the presentation or, or call their name to ask them a question that, that really means a lot. Um, and then, of course, during the presentation, trying to to connect with people using the information I learned before. And then afterwards, I seek to help out again, because a lot of times when I'm doing a training, the room setup that I use is different than what they normally have. It's different than their default. So afterwards, right. I'm always asking, do you want me to reset the tables? Do you want me to help reset the tables? What do you want to do? 
Um, and I learned quickly at, at first I would just reset it. Like I just need to fix it back like it was, but often I would start to do that. And then the person in charge would say, no, actually I like this. I like what you did. I want to leave it and try it for my stuff for a while. Oh, okay. That's cool. So then I learned that I need to ask and not just assume that they want it set back. So I'm, I'm being helpful with whatever I do or not do after the presentation. So yeah, yeah, all three of those really are in my mind whenever I'm doing a presentation or a training. Now, as we wrap this up, well, I want to emphasize this. Whenever you have the opportunity to deliver a presentation, you just got to remember the mantra. So let's do it again. What is the mantra? It is know your audience, know your message, and make the connection. That's right. And remember, you can think about your audience in terms of both the group identity and the individual identity, along with the roles and responsibilities involved. Knowing your message, that involves knowing what kind of message it is. Is it an, is it an update? Is it a proposal? Is it a combo? And then make sure you make the connection. And don't limit that connection to the presentation itself, because there's stuff before and, and afterwards that you can do that strengthen it. So this this mantra is simple. Know your audience, know your message, make the connection. But it's not easy. However, the outcomes are worth the effort. So be determined to invest your time and energy in ways that will allow you to deliver big presentations in small rooms. Have you been able to use some of the things that we talked about on the show? Well, let us know about it. Give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what information you found the most useful and made your presentation better.